0: Well, family, it is so good to be able to worship Jesus, to sing how we can praise his name and really reflect on what God has done as Tori just reminded us. So happy birthday. It's good to be with you. It is good to celebrate. It's good to see what God is doing in our family. And really, there's a ton of friendships and relationships we're also celebrating. I mean, when we look at the well, that's probably what you actually love about the well, that you're connected with people that point you to Christ. And as we looked last week, we looked at a lot of personal discipleship and Tori walked us through that. And we got to look at some of the stories of the baptisms and how everybody's lives are kind of interconnected, right? And so even though discipleship and our walk with God happens individually and it happens in friendship, all of those were celebrated corporately. Mm -hmm. There was something unique and different about when you came to the worship night and we baptized folks than being in a group of 10, right? Right, right. I mean, when we went beyond that group of 10, it was like the heavens had opened, right? You left that night with an amount of dopamine you haven't had in nine months, (laughs) and it was so good to experience through that joy together, right? Like, we got to have that joy, we got to experience something, but it was something almost tangible. Mm -hmm. That's community, that's the well, That's what you love about being a part of this family. You experienced family. And so today we're gonna shift and we're gonna look at why we live in that family. We're gonna look at why we're a church in some ways and you're gonna hear some exciting things that Tori kind of already primed you for about what God has been doing. We have not been idle during COVID, we have been on the move, but much more than that, God has been on the move and he's been doing things we can't take credit for. So I'm excited (laughs) to share a little bit about what God has been doing. As we dive into this, we're gonna be in Romans 12 today. And so Romans 12, one through, Eight is really going to be our passage, and I'm going to ask my friend Daniel to read that in just a moment. But before he does that, I want to let you know what Romans 1 through 11 was because that's probably some of the most important passages in all of scripture about grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. And so what Paul's gonna read here and what we're gonna share here is really all about what God is telling us to do in light of his grace and his mercy. Mm-hmm. And so if you're questioning God, do you wanna show me mercy? You're questioning God, do I even deserve to be able to follow you? man? go back and read Romans one through 11. Your mind will be blown, you'll probably have a lot of questions, but if you need something to do this week and you're a little bit confused, hey, go to Romans six through eight, that would be great, just stay right there, okay? And so we wanna dive into Romans 12 today based on God's mercy. Last week, Tori reminded you that God loves you. Man, I wanna remind you again this week that he has given you mercy that you don't deserve. He has given you love that you don't deserve. I have experienced that in my own life time and time and time again. It's not just when I said yes to follow Jesus, but it's been a continual process of receiving his mercy every single day. So Daniel, would you kick us off and read Romans 12, one through eight for us.
1: Hey brothers and sisters, I miss you guys a lot. So fun to see some of your faces at the outdoor worship gathering. My name's Daniel Eid and my wife and I go to the Terrytown CG. I'm kind of a community member and I serve on the Connections team. Today I'm gonna to be reading from Romans 12. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are God's words.
0: Thanks, Daniel, for reading that for us to really get us going today as we're shifting from individual discipleship to really corporate discipleship. And so this passage is actually written to a group of people. If you look back here, Paul's talking to brothers and sisters. In fact, this is the moment in Romans where he's bringing Jewish folks and Gentile people together. And so this is the verse where that happens in Romans, that he's telling these people that have been far from God that, hey, you're now a brother and a sister too. And so it's cool for us to really get to experience what was happening 2,000 years ago as far as bringing people together that had no business being together apart from Jesus. And that's what we look like at The Well. That's why we love The Well, is that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves that we'd not be able to experience on our own without Christ bringing us together. And so as we're looking at how we do this as a church, you know what our mission is. You know where we're headed. You know that we wanna exalt. We wanna be exalting the name of Jesus and really that comes into worship and so as as Paul writes there that we want to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice that's exalting, that's giving our bodies as worship to God and we'll talk more about that. We want to disciple and reach the world, we want to use our gifts to do that. A lot of us kind of get hung up on our gifts or we think we have all the gifts or we think we're good at this or that and it's like actually discipleship happens in the context of community. We need each other to do that and then we want to send, we want to be on mission you're gonna hear a lot more about that today, how God is using us to send and launch people for his glory, to exalt his name. And so we do that not based on our own ability. And if you're reading this and, and maybe you've read this passage before, in fact, maybe you just read Romans one and two before and you thought, this is all about purity. If I just renew my mind and to make sure my body's okay and I'm just not sinning, then really I'm gonna live out Romans 1, 12, one and two. I would really strongly disagree with you and probably whoever told you that as well because often those folks that are teaching that, and I did that myself, were really caught up in sin management. Mm -hmm. Because when you're stuck in sin management, you're trying to teach your way and you're trying to work your way back to God. And you kind of miss the whole first verse, which talks about in view of or in light of God's mercy, then I tell you these things. And so we kind of almost get this if-then statement, which might feel weird for you in the scriptures. It's like, if I remember God's mercy, then I'll be able to know his good, perfect, and pleasing will, you're right. That's how you renew your mind, and we're gonna walk through that. And as Yusuf talked about two weeks ago, and Tori last week, there's this unique partnership that God wants with you and me, that he's partnering with us to actually renew our minds, that you are part of the equation. And so for us to really remember the context that this is Paul's application, this is his shift in the book of Romans, one of the greatest books ever written, to be honest. And so we see here that this is a moment of shifting, but it's all based on the mercy of God. Without the mercy of God, there's no application. There's nothing for you and me to do, but Jesus already did it first, and so we're invited into that. We're invited to partner with God in that. So this, I mean, really, this living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable to God, the best sacrifice I can think of is Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is holy and acceptable, and and he lived this out perfectly. I mean, that is the gospel, and so everything that we might possibly be able to do, the smallest thing we could do, is just to emulate and image Jesus just a little bit, Mm -hmm. just to live in such a way that we look like that Man, we are not holy and acceptable without him. He tells us that apart from him, we can do nothing. And so I feel this way and I look at this and I sometimes feel pressure. And maybe you're feeling that as we're looking at this today. You're saying, I have to just do more. I have to renew my mind. I have to figure this out. I have to work towards this. But remember, this is actually a corporate command for one, and it's in light of God's mercy. So you can't actually do this by yourself. In some ways, we all need to get over ourselves and love each other more because we need each other to look more like Christ. We are part of the body of Christ. And so again, we don't renew our minds, we don't renew our soul based on what we're doing, we do it based on the mercy of God. And so verse two there says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, you've probably gotten caught up on what God's will is for your life, okay? Anybody ever done that before? You've probably said, I need to figure out God's will. Hey, we do that for the well, too. It's like, what is God's will for the well? (laughs) And what we're doing in that is we're asking for some abstract thing that if God hasn't shown us to it yet, he doesn't want us to know that. Let's just stop right there. If he hasn't told you, you don't need to know. Stop, okay? You need to be obedient with what he's told you to do. It's the same thing for us as a church we need to move forward based on what our Father is telling us, not what we wanna make up and think that he wants us to do. We don't wanna run ahead of where God's going. We don't also wanna get in the way of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in other people's lives. And so for us as a church, we wanna take this very seriously. We wanna look at what God's will is, but we wanna do it not based on being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewal of our mind. And the way we do that is so key. It has to be based in the mercy of God. Some of you might feel like you're in a real spiritual rut right now. Uh, I remember about a month ago, Tori was saying, hey, you're probably like a five out of 10 spiritually if you haven't been in community. And that's the best you can do. And that's real, okay? And so if you're feeling that rut and you're like, God, I don't wanna go serve. I don't wanna go talk to these people. I don't even know if I wanna go to the worship night, right? And you're feeling this angst in your soul, but you're still praying and saying, God, would you just help me get there? He loves that. He loves that. He loves that, and for some of you, that's where you're at, and that's okay, and so in that, Continue to cry out to him because when you're crying out to him, it's in faith that he's hearing you. It's in faith that he's walking with you and that he is showing you mercy in that. And so we wanna be transformed. Really, for us to be transformed and not conformed to this world means that we're set apart, that we're changed, that we're never the same. I love that when folks get baptized at the well, they get to church to say, never the same. Mm -hmm. That we really believe that as a church. And so as a church, we don't wanna be conformed to the patterns of this world. Corporately, as a group of people, we don't want to just look like what we think a church is supposed to look like. We want to be transformed, what God is calling us to do based on the mercy that he's actually shown us as individuals, our gratitude towards the mercy he's shown us as individuals gives us a vision for where he's taking us to use our gifts together as a family. If we don't have gratitude for what he's done for us in our own lives personally, so when we start with individual discipleship, then we're really not gonna do anything of value at all together, because we're not depending on Jesus, because without him, we can't do anything. And so we have to be operating out of the mercy that Jesus has shown us, right? In fact. If if we're trying to minimize the gospel to just being about this sin right here and not about what God wants to do and how he wants to transform us, we're actually minimizing the gospel. We're kind of stepping on the cross and we're saying, hey, this is for me to get saved and that's it. God has so much more for you. He has so much more for you to be in community and be a part of something bigger than yourself because he didn't save a bunch of souls that are scattered across the earth. He saved his body here on earth that has a purpose and a function and moves and breathes and walks and cares for people and loves people. You and I are literally the hands and feet of Jesus and that's the way he wanted it. You see, the real miracle of ministry is that God handpicked you and me to be his representatives in this generation. And the power of that is that God is moving through us despite us. Yeah. He's moving while we're being transformed. He's moving while we're still often conformed to the pattern of this world. And so for us, we need to remember we are set apart and we're never the same. In fact, when we look at his mercy, we get to partner with him because we have a duty to be transformed. We have a duty to change because of the good mercy that he's shown us, the grace he's shown us. Because you know your story. You know what you've been up to. You know what you were up to. You know what you thought about you want to be up to that's not good in glorifying God, okay? I know that too. And so I get to celebrate his mercy because I don't deserve it. And you don't deserve it. And so we act and we transform and we ask him to change our minds to look more like his son out of gratitude for his mercy. And so I I look at this and I say, man, why do we gather together? What's so special about us worshiping together? What was so special about the worship night? And so I remember back to when we were worshiping in, in Martin and in Campbell and we have our hands raised and there's that anticipation and there's that joy. And a big factor for me in that is encouragement. I look around and I see other people's hands raised, I'm like, okay, I'm not the only crazy one. (laughs) Or I see somebody that just needs a hug because they're down, I'm like, I'm not the only one. Or I see somebody get up and share a testimony of what God has been doing in their life and I'm praising God, I'm like, I can look to that and I can find hope in my king because I see what he's doing in other people's lives. When you saw the testimonies, you saw the baptisms a few weeks ago, it was joyful, Mm -hmm. it was good. It was like going to Papado's or Fogo de Chow. You don't see anybody sad in those places. Those places are good. When you get some real soul food, I mean, y'all probably wonder where I'm from. I'm probably Cajun, we think. And so in that, we love Southern food. We love Cajun food, okay? My dad always just stops and sits in Papado's and he looks around. He'll, He'll tell me every time. He's like, you see anybody sad? (laughs) And he'll smile because he's so happy because we're in a place that actually those moments when we're in a community like that, it's actually picturing heaven. It's actually exciting us for what God has in store for us. And so I think of when we gather together, we are encouraging and lifting each other up. And so when we're talking about renewing our minds, this is a corporate command. I mean, Paul's really saying y'all right there, okay? He's just not Southern. He's from Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, okay? So he's saying y'all in a different way. And when we gather together, we're recognizing that, hey, we are born to worship. Mm -hmm. I love how Anthony and Mary, they they lead us through worship each week, and and they walk us through really the story of the gospel. Mm -hmm. If you'll start to notice with our songs, we start with creation and how We really exalt Jesus and God in that as creator, and we look at the fall and redemption and restoration, so we kind of have this whole story. Every time we gather to worship, our hearts and our affections are reminded of what God has done for us. So you're probably asking, how do we renew our minds? Well, we've already said that we need to remember his grace. We get to do that together. We get to remind each other of God's grace and his mercy, and we get to remember that the pressure is kind of off of us. But at the same time, if we're going to look at verses three through eight, this is a very active passage. There's nowhere in here where it says if you have the gift of spectating, if you have the gift of watching TV, if you have the gift of watching what other people are doing in the church, if you have the gift of watching YouTube sermons, like use it. No, that's not in the Bible, Okay. You are called to be a part of something. You're called to be a participant. You're called to be active and a partner with God in this, okay? And so we get to do this. We don't have to do this. And so I wanna share some of the things we get to do as a church. There's things that we have been blessed by God's grace and his mercy during COVID that I would say without COVID, these things I'm about to share with you would not have happened. Without God's foresight, vision, and mercy to us, to go beyond us and beyond what we could understand. Mm -hmm. He's setting us up for way better things. It's kind of like a dad that takes away something that's dangerous from a little kid because He knows, hey, if you have 10 people on staff and you got 1,000 people every Sunday, that's not gonna pan out very well, okay? And so God has given us grace and mercy to lay a foundation for the well for what we think is gonna really be carried by Him for generations to come. And, And I love that, and I'm honored really to share this with you today, some of the things that God's doing where our, our church is not built on a person. It's not built on Tory preaching or me preaching or Anthony leading worship. It's built on Jesus. Yeah. And so as we look at these things, I want to remind you this is all based on him. And so the first thing we're starting that's new is we're actually starting a prayer team. Yeah. And we want that, yeah, praise wow. God, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see this as a huge need for our church. Yeah. That we are a young church, we're a joyful church, we're an energetic church, but we need wisdom and we need God. Wow. And we don't want to move on our own and we wanna submit ourselves to him. And so the first thing, we are starting new in this next year, in this next ministry year, really of our birthday even, as we start our eighth year as a church, is that we wanna start praying like we never have before. We wanna submit ourselves consistently to pray to the Lord. And so in this, we're gonna have a prayer team and it's gonna really be discipled by some folks and and some friends of mine uh, in Wimberley, Texas. And so one of these ladies, Cecilia Belvin, who's kind of a spiritual mother to me in some ways, uh, she led a prayer team down there. They met for 24 years and missed three Monday nights, but don't worry, they were still on the phone, okay? (laughs) And so that's the kind of consistency that gave birth to like a 1,000 missionaries going overseas, whether short-term or long-term. And it was the faithful prayers of many of them that really have blessed me and Laura and others. And there's many faithful prayers, I think of Tori's granny and others that have prayed for our church even. And I even talked to some people this last week where family members who live in other states are praying for the well. And so again, we're reaping things we have not sown, but now it's time for us to grow up and sow. It's time for us to grow up and sow into the prayers of the saints. And so we're starting a prayer team. Reach out to us if you want to be a part of what God is doing in that. And really in view of his mercy, that's why we're doing these things. You know, our vision is to plant 100 churches nationally and 100 churches internationally. Now that might sound great. You may, Man, that's a great vision. We have no idea how hard that is. I mean, Tori, Tori has no idea how hard that is. This is God's vision because there's no way we can do this, guys. Mm-hmm. This is impossible without Jesus. And so right. when Jesus says, apart from me you can do nothing, I think he means it here. <laughs> because here we have to give our lives sacrificially to something that is bigger than ourselves that we may never see all the fruit of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We might not even get to see that in heaven. But our spiritual worship is sacrificing our bodies. When we set up chairs, when we worship in this room, when you share this guided gathering even on Facebook or something, you're sacrificing time. You're sacrificing a part of you. And so as you serve the body of Christ, you're helping towards this vision out of the gratitude towards God's mercy. Everything we're doing is in light of God's mercy. And so how do we renew our minds in view of mercy? Well, really, we're renewing our minds really one day at a time, one step at a time. I've had several folks, even this last week, ask me, how can I do this? What's my formula? What do I need to do? What boxes do I need to check off to really accomplish Romans 12 here? And you can't, and that's good. You can't do this in one moment. Because when you offer your body as a living sacrifice, that's almost like the wedding day. But when you are actually renewing your mind, that is the marriage. Mm -hmm. And it is an ongoing relationship with God that he wants with you to continue to renew your mind, to continue to fall in love with him day after day. And so we, again, we're young, but we're growing, and we're eager, and we're excited, and we want to actually start what's called the Well Institute. Come on. Praise God. And so we have been seeking God during COVID and how we can equip our people. And so we're actually gonna start the Well Institute where people will be able to come and take seminary level classes and be able to learn, be able to grow in their faith and answer the questions that they've been asking. And so we wanna be a hub in Austin for really theological growth and education. And so the Well Institute will have classes that are theological, that are biblical, they also have discipleship and purity classes and things like that. So you'll see a lot of those classes coming up in the next few months. And we're excited that God is gonna allow us to continue to grow in this, that this is not we're starting, but it's his to evolve and make whatever he wants it to be. And so we're submitting it to him. And so I'm reminded of, and when it comes to renewing our minds, we get to seek the Lord. We get to be eager about the scriptures and in the scriptures. And so there's a great example of that in the church of Berea in Acts 17. And so I'm gonna ask my friend Hannah Beasley to read Acts 17, 10-13 for us
2: hi everyone my name is hannah beasley i am a covenant member at the well and a student at dallas theological seminary with my husband we're both getting our master's in theology um, and we just had our first son a couple weeks ago and i will be reading from acts 17 10 through 13 and it says, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks, Hannah, for reading that for us, especially after having a kid just like three weeks ago. So thank <laughs> you. Man, it is amazing that we get to see that God was moving through these people where they were going to actually study the scriptures. Mm-hmm. See, their names are actually in the Bible because mm-hmm. they studied the scriptures. Right, right you don't see a single miracle here among them. Mm -hmm. You don't see anything of them planting these churches or doing this or that. But their attitude is what got them in the Bible. Their attitude towards the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so as we look at our vision and where God's taking us, and what if we're just like the Berean church, that we just fall so in love with Jesus that he's like, hey, I love that church. Mm -hmm. They were eager to read my word. I love them. And in fact, we see that there's opposition against them because they love the Word of God. Guys, we're gonna get oppositions. We've gotten opposition. We're gonna continue to. That's why we started with the prayer team to pray through that stuff, okay? And so we know that. And as we start the Well Institute, we want you to pray for this. We want you to pray that our church would be eager in desiring to be in the Word of God together as a community, yeah. that I would learn from Mary and Sean as we study the Word of God together yeah. in community, and so the really fun side of this is the Well Institute is not limited to our teaching or ministry or something like that. But we were approached and reached out to by people we love, and we were able to say yes to an incredible opportunity. And so we are going to be offering classes from Dallas Theological Seminary at the Well Institute. To so praise God for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, God has been on the move during COVID. I want you to hear these things today, not thinking, man, the church is doing a lot of stuff. God is doing this. There is so much we can't take credit for. So this, yes, means you will be able to get a seminary education at The Well in Austin, and you will be able to be equipped for ministry. And this fits in line perfectly with what God has called us to do and to be about. Mm -hmm. I'm praying that there's gonna be 90 of our 100 church planners who'd actually get a degree here in Austin at The Well through DTS. I'm praying that we'd send missionaries equipped to train others overseas and to give resources away from DTS, that there's an incredible opportunity for us as a young church to send our young people to the nations, Mm -hmm. equipped with good theology and a biblical foundation that honors God. I love DTS's motto is to teach truth and love well. Mm And when they approved us, they said, teach truth, the well. And I was so grateful Aww. for that, okay? And so in that, we have an opportunity to teach truth, to mm-hmm. see truth go to the nations. The truth that has changed your life can now be really able to be equipping people here in our own church family. Mm-hmm. And so we praise God for this, that he's doing this work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We're also going to be adding the Well Residency Program within the Well Institute and within this Uh, DTS class offerings, we're going to see that we're going to have residents rise up. And so if you're a college student interested in ministry at all, you're going to see more come out the next few months about how you could actually do a two-year residency with the well and be on our team and be a part of what God is doing and consider what he might have you do for the next 50 years. And so we're excited that that is starting as well. And so I want to encourage you as we're looking at this to remember what God has called all of us to do in this and how we are a part of this. I mean, at UT, they say that's what happens here, changes the world. And so we're praying what God does through the Well Institute, through DTS, through the well would change the world and you would be a part of it. And so we really think that God's gonna use these multiple things together to develop leaders at the well to change the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm praying and I'm asking and I'm hoping that you can see what the church can be. So do you see what the church can be? Do you see where God is taking us? Because we'll be honest, we did not see this happening when COVID started. We did not see these opportunities presenting themselves. We were excited worshiping and Martin and running around, and man, do you see what God's doing? We were so excited with this one thing that he was doing, and he wanted to do all these others. And so we, we can look back here and remind ourselves of this grace. And so Romans 12, 3 goes like this it says for the by the grace you've given me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned For is for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So together we are doing this. This can't happen on our own. No single person can experience what God wants to do here. We get to do this together and this is how we're renewing our minds really in simple ways that we've all known. We need to pray, we need to study the word, we need to be in community. That's all we just said. We're just doing it in ways that we can now grasp it and understand it together mm-hmm. in community. That we're not telling you to go read on your own, to pray on your own. We're gonna do this as a family. Yeah. And so verse six says, "In having these gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith is service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Mm -hmm. And I really believe this right here, that God has given us gifts to use. But let's not get hung up on the spiritual gifts. Let's get the reality that we have to do this together. And I would say too, that God is gonna complete you in those. Mm -hmm. Your gift might not look perfect right now. Amen, there's no way it does. Mm -hmm. My gift does not look perfect right now. We need each other to shape each other, challenge each other, sanctify each other in this together. You might think your gift is kind of mundane. You might think, well, that's just who I am, that's just what I do. But you are needed, friend, in the body of Christ. Everything we just announced, we need you to make any of that happen. When we see somebody get baptized in Barcelona last week, you were a part of that. Not just in giving to that, but praying for that and being a part of the family to see that happen. When Jesus came, he did not come just individually. He came and gave his whole body. Mm-hmm. He could have done all these miracles on his own. He could have said, everybody's a Christian, just like that. He could have taken care of everything. But he chose these disciples, these fishermen, these tax collectors mm-hmm. to be used by God. Mm-hmm. Again, the miracles that God's actually chosen to you and me. He's handpicked yeah. us for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell us, family, I gotta remind you, the best is yet to come at the well. Mm-hmm. I felt in my own heart, and I'm just gonna confess to you, like kind of walking in glory days of the well. Like we had a great last year. As Tori mentioned in the, the announcements earlier, we had a lot of people come to Jesus. Our community groups went from eight to 27. That is not normal, okay? <laughs> and we can either relish in those glory days or we can get so used to winning in that, that we don't appreciate what God is actually doing. And both of those are minimizing the mercy of God. Both of those are minimizing what he wants to do and teach us. You personally don't have to have all the gifts, but you're needed in the church so the church has all the gifts. And for us as a family, we desperately need each other. At the same time, I want you to know that Satan is going to attack your gifts. And I am certain he's done that during COVID. He's done it in my own life. And so when you look at these gifts here, you look at leading, to do that with zeal. Well, I'm called to lead. I was born to lead and I've been gifted to do that and I've been given things to do that. So if I don't do that with zeal, man, what's gonna be the opposite of that? For me, it's depression. Mm -hmm. For me, it's letting Satan mute me from what God's called me to do. He can mute my zeal for him. If you're called to be someone who gives and gives generously, man, the opposite of giving generously is really just straight up being st- stingy, right? Like you give somebody a gift, and you're like, hey, that was thirty nine ninety nine. I just need you to know that, okay? Like that, who likes those people, right? Like that is not generous. That's not using your gift of being a giver the way that God created you to give. And if your gift is acts of mercy, like do that with cheerfulness, And I really think, what's the opposite of cheerfulness? I think one of my friends is a doctor and he's constantly doing acts of mercy. He's serving other people. Man, when he does that, he's got a smile on his face. It's very rare that I see Scott Graham without a smile or a laugh on his face with cheerfulness. But if somebody who's got acts of of mercy and they're doing the opposite of that, Satan's gonna tempt them to judge others, to not do things with joy. And so we look at the opposite of these and I wanna warn you that Satan is coming after you in those. And I look at really how our gratitude for grace shapes our attitude towards God's gifts for us. Mm -hmm. When we remember the grace and mercy he's given us, that changes our attitude. If you notice everything Paul does there with zeal and generosity and cheerfulness, God cares about your attitude with your gifts much more than he cares about whatever gift he gave you in the first place. How are you gonna have an attitude that glorifies him in this? Mm -hmm. And for us, we've gotten to see your gifts used. I have a great kind of front row seat to say how volunteers are doing stuff at the well, how we're multiplying community groups and how God is moving. I mean, I just wanna remind you with some pictures here of what God has been doing. And so I remember the children's ministry and Elizabeth Keith and all of you volunteers for kids using your gifts and really setting up the next generation of church planners and missionaries from the well. You look at all these blue chairs and you look at how God is really used those plastic nasty chairs to bring people to Jesus, to set up a team and production team being a part of that. And you look at all of these community group leaders just at the volunteer collective, it's so long ago it feels like, just praying and asking, what would you have us do? You look at all of us kneeling, and we, there's actually a picture here of us kneeling and dedicating Martin, that we dedicated that space to God, and he's actually done way more than we thought. We thought it was just a space, but he's using it to glorify his name in so many other ways. Yeah. And we remember that we get to be greeted by each other. When we go to a worship gathering or we go to a worship night, whatever it is, you actually felt welcome to this church. That's why you're still here. And so thank you, welcome team, for doing that in Connections. And so when we consider the body of Christ, I wanna remind you again, Jesus did not die for a bunch of scattered souls. He died so that he would have a body on earth to be active and moving and living for his glory. So when I think about the first 11 people that came, that you can see right there with horrible jeans and Tori's bad haircut, (laughs) and how 11 became 22, those 22 became... Bill getting baptized yeah. mm-hmm. and Amanda getting baptized yeah. mm-hmm. and son getting baptized. And we celebrate new life that started with a few being faithful with their gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see what the church can be? Mm-hmm. Imagine what he can do with all of our gifts today mm-hmm. if he did that with 11. Yeah. 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 So I want to close with us praying Romans 12, 1 through 2. Mm-hmm that I would read this corporately over us, that we would actually renew our minds together. When we're excited about DTS, we're excited about the Will Institute, it all starts with his mercy. And so let's read Romans 12, one through two, to remind our hearts of all that he can and has done. We appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. This is our spiritual worship. Let's not be conformed to this world. God, we ask that the well would be transformed by the renewal of our minds, so that by testing, we may discern what is good, perfect, and acceptable, your will for us as a family. We love you and we thank you for the example of your son, that without him, none of this is possible. And without your mercy, God, on us, none of this is possible. So let us live and run for you free from sin and full of joy for your mercy and grace for us. We love you, Jesus, amen.